This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, let's get started. We're in a series called What Time Is It? We're living in some crazy times, and uh, I wanted to take a few weeks and address the times we're living in. Last Sunday, I had a blast preaching uh, the first week of what time is it, and, and my subtopic last Sunday was it, we're in a time of testing. If you want to know what times we're living in, we're living in a time of testing, testing of our faith. Well, today uh, I'm going to go uh, a different direction in our subtopic today for what time is it, is it's a time to live. The times we're living in calls on us to be in a, in a time to live. A buddy of mine from Midland, he was asking me, what, what kind of series are you in? And I got to telling him, and he said, what are you preaching this Sunday? And I told him, he said, dude, you need to have your worship team do a little Tim McGraw, live like you're dying. I said, if there's any church in America that would love it, it'd be my church, Jack. I'd love a little Tim. So uh, keep that in your mind. We're just not talking about Fu Manchu with eight seconds or anything. But uh, at the end of the day, what we are talking about is it's not time to retreat. It's not time to go hide under a rock. See, this is where Christians make a big mistake, okay? This isn't part of the sermon, so let me just kind of work here for a second. This is where a lot of Christians make their mistake. When we have a mass shooting like we did in Vegas, a lot of Christians go into like, they go into like dig a bunker, buy another gun, get some like crazy food that never expires, who knows what that is, and we go into hide mode. Guys, the times we're living in, it's not hide mode time. It's shine bright time. The world doesn't need scared Christians, and I'm going to preach about it here in a minute. The world needs bright, shining, loving Christians. So we're going to talk about what time we're living in. And we're going to get there through the word of the Lord. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, over the next few minutes, I ask you to help me articulate and speak clearly what you've put in my heart. And I ask you to let my friends that are here listen clearly and be in the moment. And let them take everything I say within the right context. And let them apply it to scripture and let the scriptures apply to it. Stretch us today. Stretch us in our knowledge but stretch us in our sensitivity as well. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, our theme passage that we've been working from is Ecclesiastes chapter three. And I'm gonna forego reading the entire 11 verses and let me just kind of tell you, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through eight tells us there's a time, there's a time for everything. And it, it swings this great, dichotomy of, of, of illustration swings this way. There's a time for, for birth and there's a time for death. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. And it goes all throughout those things. And then verse 11 tells us why. Verse 11 says, because God has made everything beautiful of its own time. So there is a, there's a time for it all. And then, then the Bible says, God has planted eternity in the human heart, even so that people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, my subtopic 
text is found out of 1 Chronicles 12. And I love this scripture, 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 32. The men of Issachar, and I'm just going to say that that's what we are, and you'll understand what I mean by that. The men of Issachar understood the times, and they knew what Israel should do. So here it is, everybody, in a nutshell. We are the people of God. We're a part of this big, global, universal church of God. And we are to know what season we're living in. And we are to know what to do in that season. So before you go home today, I'm going to give you a few things that we all need to be doing in the time that we're living in. But before we could talk about what we need to be doing, I want to tell you what God's doing. Because when you have, when you have 50, 55, 59, whatever the total death count was in Vegas, when you have that kind of stuff going on, and when you've got, when you've got threats from North Korea going on, and when you've got crazy hurricane seasons going on, when you've got national, racial, political divide going on, when you've got a whole bunch of mess going on, you would want to say to yourself, and possibly even to God, okay, God, where are you in this? What are you doing right now in all of this? And I'm going to answer that, and then I'm going to answer what we need to be doing during all this. You with me so far? Okay, let's get started. Number one, this is what God's doing. This is what God has always done, and this is what God will always do. And that is, God desires that all people be saved. All people. God desires that the one sitting on your left be saved, the one in front of you to be saved, the one on your right to be saved, the one behind you to be saved. God desires that America and its people be saved. God desires North Koreans to be saved. God desires, you ready? For terrorists to be saved. God desires for murderers to be saved. Rapists to be saved. Sexual abusers to be saved. Now I know this is stretching some of you because you're like me. If we called the shots on who should be saved, we'd be like, ain't going to happen. They're not going to be saved. If I had my say so about it, this cat in Vegas would not be a potential candidate for salvation. That would be my take. But here's the problem with that. You would say about me, he has no chance of being saved. And I would say that about you. You and I have to swallow this beautiful pill of grace and understand God desires all people to be saved. That's pretty weak, amen. It's okay. It's okay. It's taken me long to get here too. Because it's your natural, it's your carnal, it's your human tendency to think, well, God could save the little 80-year-old lady that, that, that gives all of her money to missions and never misses a church service and, you know, opens the door for everybody and, and is smiling all the time. But you lost me when you brought terrorists up. God so loved. Pastor Manny, Sabrina, welcome home from your honeymoon. 
Pastor Manny preached about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. One of the most fabulous messages on the word S-O, the word so. And I want you to say it with a little drama in your voice. God so loved me and you and everyone else in the world that he gave his one and only son. He so loved the terrorist. He so loved the shooter. But guess what? He also so loved the 80-year-old saint that gives her money to missions because God doesn't see color. God doesn't see age. God doesn't see gender. God sees creation that has the potential of being saved by his grace. Let me teach y'all something I learned the other day. Here's, here's, here's what Tommy wants to do. Tommy wants to take his big old long index, well, not really long, kind of a short little finger. But Tommy wants to take his little index finger and he wants to point and say, there's no way he's going to be saved. There's no way she's going to be saved. There's no way, no way, no, no, no way, no way, no way, no way. And grace has three fingers pointing back at me saying, but look at what I did for you. And if grace can save me, who am I to step into the role of God and call the shots on who can and who can't be saved? God, one more time, so loved the world. He loves us all. So if you want to know where God is in the mix of all this, God's never changed where he's at. God's always been madly in love with people, so much so that he desires that everyone is saved. Everyone is saved. No one is disqualified once they call on the name of the Lord Jesus by faith. The grace of God qualifies everybody. Somebody clap your crazy hands on a Sunday morning. God loves you. God is crazy in love with you, Morgan. God loves you, Brittany. He loves me. He loves all of you in AO. He loves our Calvary's kids next door. God loves you. And he always has and he always will, number one. But now let's build on that. God so loves us, he loves us so much that he put a plan in place. He put a plan in place that everybody can be saved. Not only does he have a desire for everybody to be saved, he put a plan in place that we can all be saved. Now that is crazy love. Not only does he want you saved, he put a plan in place that you can be saved. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Man, that's some swag right there, isn't it? Jesus like, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, because of what I just said, because all authority is in me, therefore, go make disciples baptizing them, teaching them, and I will be with you through it all. God so loved the world that he put a plan in place, and the plan to reach the world is us. 
Once you, we're going to use the pulpit here, this, this, this object, the pulpit. We're going to use that kind of like the line, the mark the, of divide. Once you come to know Jesus, you cross over and you join Team Jesus. Over here, you're one of the lost that God so loves and someone over here reaches and pulls you onto the team. Now you become a part of the plan to reach the world. Everybody has their own position on the field. Everybody has their own skills and skill set on the team. But the key is that the team is always trying to win now, theologically, Satan's already defeated. Some of y'all need that really good revelation because y'all are still trying to fight Satan. Satan's already defeated. Uh, Jesus defeated him. But here's the, here's the key. There's still people that are lost that Satan has influence with. Those are the people that we're trying to save. Now, before you think you have scars in your hand and that you're the Savior, you're on the Savior's team. Are you? Thank you. Thank you. So our job, our to-do list are people. So every single day we wake up, we're working the plan that fulfills his love that he sent his one and only son for. So how do I, how do I get there? Well, first of all, you can't bring anybody to know a God that you don't know yourself. So the first step is for you to come to know God for yourself. And I'm not talking about grandmother's God. I'm not talking about mama's God. I just baptized three children today that I'm thankful for their mother and father's relationship with God. But now, now they're going to come to know God for themselves. Or when they're 50, baptism is just going to be something they did as a kid. Are you tracking with me? At some point, you have to develop this relationship with Jesus for you and you alone. Not your husband's relationship with God. Not your mama's. Not your children. No, 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 no. You cannot live for God vicariously through anyone else. It's you and God. You've got to come to know God. The reason this church exists is to help people know God. But then once you come into revelation of knowing him and his grace touches your life and saves you, then the fun starts because now God has an opportunity of setting you free from all the junk in your life. All the issues, all the problems, you know, the stuff from the divorce, the stuff from the sexual abuse, the stuff from the lying and the cheating and the years you got laid off twice. All that stuff that you're still wrestling with, the unfortunate loss of a parent too early. I was just with someone the other day that they lost their dad when they were in their, in their teenage years. And they're still hanging with that. And can I tell you something? God doesn't just want to save you. God wants to set you free from all of that. So now what we do is God gets you instantly. Everyone say instantly. Matter of fact, let's all snap our fingers. Say instantly. God gets you instantly. That sounded cool. God instantly gets you out of sin, and now God wants to get the sin out of you. So he's going to pull you out of sin. That's salvation. That's grace. 
But now there's a period of time in your life where he's going to get the sin out of you. You're going to stop the habits that you've always had. You're going to get freed up. Now, it may not happen instantly. I know some folks that have been saved. They've been saved for a long time, but they're still trying to defeat the habits of their life. And guess what? That doesn't lessen their salvation. If they're, if they're trending, if they're heading, if they're believing in God, all that proves is that they're human. Because there's not one of us in this room that's not working through an issue. If you're breathing, you've either worked through an issue, working through issues, or you better get ready because you'll be working through one that you hadn't even developed yet. Welcome to humanity. And now turn to your neighbor and say, that explains you. <clears throat> Amen. Now, once we're, once we're working through these issues in life, now guess what? It gets even better because God then shows us, hey, you remember I put you on my team, right? Yeah, I remember that. God, am I going to be your starting pitcher? No, you're a little short. You don't throw it fast enough, but I would love you at shortstop. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. I can play shortstop, and if you don't work out there, son, I'm going to put you in right field. That's fine. I just want to be on the team. I want you on my team. Guess what, everybody? you got a place on the team, and God wants you to find what that place is because you'll never be happy trying to be a pitcher when you were created a shortstop. You'll never be happy in the work of God as a shortstop if he wants you in right field. But if all of us find our spot on the team, we still get to wear the jersey, Team Jesus, and we still get to be hollered at, called out in the, in, the, in the lineup. We still we still get to party together on our wins because Satan's already defeated. So now when we find our spot on the team, and, we're, and now we can start making a real big difference in life. So, God so loved the world. That's, if you want to know what God's up to right now, God's loving the world. Well, if he loved the world, he wouldn't have caused this. God didn't cause any of that. that is, that's, that's the hatefulness. That's the, that's the sinfulness of man. And guess who it's on? Here's the first bombshell of the day. Tragedies in this world's not on God. It's on us. Back up, preacher, it ain't on me, it's on us. How's it on us? Because we're the plan to reach them. Y'all want to go get a burger? Y'all done? Y'all don't like me anymore, do you? Truth is, God loves you and God loves them. And God's asking us to play on Team Jesus ball and us reach people because we're the plan. And there is no backup plan, by the way. If we don't fulfill our role, there is no backup plan. There's no plan B. It's like when I got called to preach, I was 15 years old. I, I messed up and I shared it with my dad. And my dad went, that's awesome. Now, what's your backup plan? I said, backup plan? He said, son, I know you. You need a plan B. Guess what? God has no plan B in reaching the world. We are the plan. So what's God doing? God's loving people. God's put a plan in place. And here's where it gets good today because I know how much you want to know when is Jesus coming back. That's the whole thing we're studying right now, this thing called the end times. Everybody wants to know that, the answer. When is he coming back? When is he coming back? Here's the deal. There's a lot of that I don't know, but this one thing I am certain of because it's scripturally sound. And that is God's not coming back until his plan is completed. Well, what's his plan again? His plan is us reaching lost people. So what about all that stuff about Bible prophecy and all those are fulfilled? Shouldn't he be coming back any time now? Absolutely. Let's look at it. Matthew 24 and 14. 
This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to who? All nations. And then the end will come. There's not a preacher on earth that can tell you the time, the hour that Jesus is returning. But any preacher worth his salt would lead you to this scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. In other words, you and I, we live by time peace, don't we? Every one of you know exactly when the Cowboys game starts. It started. And every one of you know what time you're supposed to be at work tomorrow. If you don't, you won't be there much longer. We know the time. But God doesn't operate on that schedule. A day to God is a thousand years and a thousand years a day. God does not operate by your idea of 24-hour periods of time. Matter of fact, there's a Jewish theological theory called the seven-day theory. Meaning there were seven days of creation and on the seventh day God rested. So therefore, if the scripture of 2 Peter is true, which it is, the infallible word of God, that a day is a thousand years, then therefore all, there's, a, there's a human history record of creation of about 6,000 years. And then the seventh thousandth year would be the day that he rested or the millennial, the reign of God, the return of Jesus. Guys, we're right there. We're literally there. I can't tell you if it's today at 4 o'clock because the Bible says I won't know that nor will you. But the Bible does say that the people, that the sons of Issachar knew the season that they were living in and they knew what Israel should do. We should know the season we're living in and I'm fixing to tell you what we should be doing. What's God doing? God's loving people. God's got a plan and God's not returning until the plan's completed. And you and I play the biggest role in that. Check this out. All biblical prophecy will be and can be and is fulfilled with or without you, but not this one. This biblical prophecy can only be fulfilled if we play team ball. And that is reaching the world. Continuing in Second Peter, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Again, he's not stuck with a watch. He's patient. How many of you found that God's patient with us? He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. He's wanting everybody to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Now listen to this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, then what kind of people should you be? How should you be living You ought to live holy. Everyone say live holy. You ought to live godly. Everyone say live godly. As you look forward to the day of God, and you can literally speed, the Bible says, speed up his coming. How can I play a role in speeding up the return of Jesus? By fulfilling the plan. What's the plan? That you should love the, wor- the whole world and that you should go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them. Who's the whole world? The whole world that he so loved. What's God up to? Loving, loving people, putting a plan in place that everybody has an opportunity to be saved. And you and I fulfill the plan. 
Here is the biggest part of this message. So if you've slept, wake up. This is the best, biggest and best part of the message. Here's the difference of when the coming of the Lord will be or not. You ready for it? Write it down, tweet it, whatever you want to do. It's worth, worth hearing. It's when we choose and decide and fully believe that heaven is better than earth. Now, I'm going to mess with some of you. Hear me. Don't misquote me. Hear me clearly. This is the curse of the blessings of God. It's an interesting statement. God so loves you that he wants to save you for eternity, and God so loves you that he'll bless you during your time on earth. The problem is we get so hung up and addicted to his blessings that we forget what we signed up for. And that's the danger of this whole weird thing called prosperity preaching. Where, where we think that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give my heart to Jesus where I can have five Mercedes, three, three vacation homes, and my kids will all get a full ride to TCU because that's what God wants for my life. Man, you are on crack. You have totally taken the gospel and manipulated it, twisted it, and you have, you have perverted the gospel. What you've done is you've taken the goodness of God that has everything to do with eternity, and you've made it everything to do about you. The perversion of the gospel becomes selfish, greed, hoarding. It becomes all that I want here. And God's saying, you're telling me that you would rather stay there with mass shootings in Vegas, with racism in a nation that I once set free. You want to stay there when you got political divide right down the middle. You want to stay in a world that's got 53 to 55% of all marriages failing in divorce, sexual abuse off the charts, murder that never has been seen before. You want to stay there? Why did Jesus go on before me, according to John 14, and prepare a place for you if you're stuck in there. Why, what is it about this world that you love so much? <laughs> y'all, y'all gotta y'all gotta learn when to clap. I was still going there. Y'all gotta <laughs> see, I y'all I could tell y'all new to this thing, this kind of preaching. Y'all, a lot of y'all, y'all, y'all come out of them churches where you don't even clap, so now you're like, I get to clap. <laughs> Look at this. I've been wanting to clap since I was 12, and mama said I couldn't clap. I'm just going to clap. Y'all got to go back the way I grew up. Y'all clap when I tell you, okay? Bunch of clap-happy people. Settle down. Now, listen. My point is, my point is, we can speed the coming of the Lord up. If we'll stop with this loving the world so much. And this is all intertwined. There's a jacked up gospel out there that wants you to think that you come to Jesus to make all your problems go away. Can I tell you, when you come to Jesus, you'll get more problems than you ever had. You ain't never wanted a drink, smoke, cut up ever before in your life. All of a sudden you give your life to Jesus, you're like, well, uh. There's this thing called grace. (laughs) 
My daddy brought me up not to do all that, but now I'm up in Calvary, and it's got grace, so I think I could do whatever I want because it's grace. Pastor loves talking about grace. You know what grace does? Great, grace, grace. I can live like an idiot and get away with it because I've got grace. And God's saying, slow down. I've got this place called heaven. I so love this world. I created this plan to reach the world. You're part of the plan, and now you're delaying things. I've already got all this other prophecy stuff fulfilled, but the one job I give you, you're slowing things down because you're so hung up on wedding anniversaries, vacations, chicken. (laughs) Don't hate me. It's getting about lunch. You're so hung up on the things of this world that you're delaying my return. So therefore, and I'm I'm, I'm going to get a little tender here, okay? It's a very serious moment. Therefore, you got crazy people shooting people. You got North Korea acting crazy. You got crazy storms. The world is rocking and reeling and boiling from within to out. And God's saying, I'm doing everything I can do to hold off. I want to rapture them. I want to take them out. But the plan's not fulfilled. I've given them one job. And look at them. Look at them. They're enjoying that thing called life so much that they're forgetting why why I so loved them was to get them out of the world. So this is what God's doing, man. God's loving people. God's working his part of the plan. So, give me a few minutes to talk about what should we be doing. And then we'll go home. Because we got a lot to do. You're going home with some homework, okay? Y'all ready for it? First, you got to start living this way. It's time to live. See the significance in every day. It's easy to amen and nod that. But see, some of you think it's a guarantee that you got another Sunday. We're not going to go this week because we'll go next week. You ready for this? There's a lot of folks that even come to church on a Sunday. Ah, I'm not into that song. I'm not into that. that uh, oh, really? It's not, it's not Pastor Tommy preaching today, so I'm going to check out today. I'm, I'm not into this. I'm not into that. I'll go next week. We'll do it next time. You're literally missing the only day that you have a guarantee of. There's some of you in this room, not some of you, Pretty much all of us in this room have buried a loved one. And we never knew it was coming. And we wish we could go back and have just a few more minutes. Can I tell you what we have to start shifting spiritually? If I could just get a few more minutes with God. If I could just get a few more minutes in that praise and worship. If I could just get a few more minutes in the presence of the Lord. If I could just get a few more minutes in prayer. If I could just get a few more minutes. Because guess what? We don't have a, a guarantee of another day. So we have to start seeing the significance in every day. I get 52 Sundays a year, I think, as a preacher, right? My mindset is I got 52 Sundays a year. I'm going to preach. And the Holy Spirit has convicted me and said, yeah, but you got 313 more that aren't called Sundays to preach. Every day counts. Some of you are about to head out of here and you're going to go to lunch. 
You don't know if it's your last lunch with your husband, your wife, your children. And you may be like, I came to feel good about my day and now you're getting me out. No, you're going to enjoy lunch more now. And let me touch this while I'm here. Some of you, or you've been on the fence about where you are with your church commitment. I'm asking you right now, make today count. We're in our second week of growth track. It's the second Sunday of the month. I'm going to walk out that set of doors. I'm going to hang a right, and I'm going to be in growth track when this service is over. Some of you have been twiddling your thumbs, and you've been thinking, well, I'll do it next month. I'll make it. I'll do it some other time. I need you to see. I want to see your growth track today. Why not just go ahead and commit? I told someone between the two services, the word that scares you more than any word is the word commitment. And I'm going to speak that over everybody in this room. If you've been wavering, man, don't just, don't just come to church. Be a part of this church. And if it's not this church, be a part of another church. Just be a part of something bigger than yourself. Don't just be an attender. Be a participator. Get on the ball field. Let's play ball together, representing Team Jesus together. And, and the thing is this, some of you don't need another sermon. You've heard a thousand sermons in your life. You don't need another sermon. It's time to take what you've soaked up and now pour it out and give it away and use yourself for the glory and the kingdom of God. So today, don't wait another day. Make this day count. As soon as you hear the final amen, join me at Growth Track. Let's start this growth thing together for you and your family. Let's get you on the right track for success in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Number two. This is what we should be doing. We should be seeing the significance of every day, and we should be sharing God's unconditional love, the unconditional love of Jesus. John 13 said it this way, verse 34. There's a new command I give you, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Love one another. Y'all ready for conviction? As I have loved you, (laughs) so you must love one another. Has God loved you? Has God been good to you? Has God been patient with you? Has God been giving to you? Let conviction settle right now on all of us. I should be treating you as God has treated me. I should be loving you as God loves me. I should be giving to you as God gives to me. I should be as patient with you as he is patient with me. How should we be living? We should be making every day count and we should be loving people. Now, I'm going to drop a bombshell on you real quick, and we're, we're about done today. God's called you to love people, not fix people. Some of us get it backwards. We think we're called to fix people. We think that it's our job to fix our husbands, our wives. You ain't going to fix that husband. The Nora's been trying. You ain't going to fix your spouse. I got news for you. You're not going to fix your kids. You're not going to fix your boss. You're not going to fix your president. You're not going to fix your politicians, other politicians. You're not going to fix your school district. You're not going to fix anything. You know why? Everybody take your hands out. Hold your hands out. Do you see any nail prints in the palm of your hand? You're not Jesus. God has called you to do what? Y'all clapping at the wrong time. (laughs) Sit on your hands until I tell you to clap. 
Y'all going to walk out of here with two nubs if y'all keep this thing up. Listen to me now. Listen. That was funny right there. Even, man, y'all getting tickled. Listen. God, y'all, y'all messed me up. I was on a run, man. Y'all jacked with me. I got chicken on this side of the brain and no clapping on this. Woo. You're not the Savior. You're on the Savior's team. Stop trying to fix everybody's problems. Man, I heard out of the mouth of a brilliant mother just last night at dinner. She was having to tell her student, her child that's in middle school, that, that came home and was, was, was sharing that, 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 that she was troubled about another student's home life, and out of the words, just the words of wisdom said, baby, just be a friend. You can't fix that. So many of us get addicted to thinking we can fix things. God didn't call you to fix anything except fix your eyes on Jesus. You tracking with me? So everybody in here, you want to know what, what we're supposed to be doing. Our job, our job is to make every day count and to share the love of Jesus Christ. And those two things we can do individually. And I close with my third and final point of the day. There's a third thing that we're called to do, but we can't do it individually. We have to do it together. It has to be a team effort, a Calvary Church effort, a humanity effort. And that is to supply the Great Commission Luke chapter 10, Jesus told them, Luke 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What is, I'm, not, I'm not following that scripture, Pastor Tommy. What does that mean? Here it is. Our world that, we've lived, that, that we're living in, it has never and never will have a harvest issue, meaning there will always be people that need Jesus. Always. Because every time a baby is born, there's another individual that needs Jesus. There will always be people that need Jesus. The problem in our world is there's not enough of us sharing Jesus. We've never had a harvest problem. We have a worker problem. I got tickled in the first service. I said, all right, everybody imagine whatever sales job you want, whether it's that you're selling insurance or selling cars. And, and a lady came to me after church and she said, I sell French fries. And I said, well, that applies too. So whatever you want to talk about, selling French fries or selling cars, selling insurance, I want you to think about this with me. There's a great, big, gigantic world full of people that want to buy what you're selling, that's not the problem. The problem is, do you have the desire to sell it? And that's where we are as the church of the living God. Look upon the harvest fields. They're white and ready for harvest, the Bible says. In other words, we live next door to thousands of people. We work with hundreds of people. We interact with thousands of people that need Jesus, that's not the problem. 
problem is there's not enough of us sharing the love of God. And the reason is, is because we're still stuck loving the things of this world. We have to get our priorities right, everybody. We need to love heaven more than we love earth. And when we get that in our, in our heart, when we think of eternity with Jesus more than we think of the next hunting trip for me, the next golf outing for me, trust me, I've got my addictions that I love. And when I think, oh, if he comes today, wouldn't it, can he not just wait another day and let me play one more round or shoot one more big, gigantic monster? And I start thinking, really? I want to miss, I want to, I want to delay heaven for that. Give me a break, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. Every one of us in this room, I want you to stand quietly if you can. And if you don't mind, before you start rustling around and bustling around, can you just stay right where you are? I want you to bow your heads. And I want our prayer partners to come quickly in this second service. I'm out of time. I've abused our schedule, so pardon me. But I feel like somebody's ready to give their heart to Jesus. I feel in my, in my spirit that someone's ready to recommit to God. I need you to respond right now. You don't need to sit on this for another Sunday. God's been talking to you every minute I've preached today. God's been tugging at your heart. There's families here. As a complete family, God's been tugging at your heart. And you don't need to let another day go by without you getting yourselves ready to meet the Lord. I'm telling you, everybody, I don't know when he's coming, but I know it's, I know it's close. And I don't want to go home with this on my conscience. I cannot go home without me asking you. Are you ready to give your heart to Jesus? Are you ready to repent of your sins? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're ready, I want you to slip up your hand right now. If you're ready to turn to God, make things right with God. Slip up your hand real quick. Come on, I want to see your hand. Come on, throw your hand in the air. I see you right back there. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Keep your hands up. I see you right here. God bless you. That's awesome. I see you right back there. Keep it up real high. If you're ready as a couple to recommit to God, you're ready to get your priorities right. Keep it up. Keep it up. Everybody with their hand up, I want you to start moving down to this front. I'm going to pray over you with our prayer partners joining me. Come on, quickly. Move quickly. Don't wait another second. Time is of the essence. I don't want to abuse our schedule. This is critical. If you had your hand up, come on. God bless you as you're coming. You're so wonderful being here. I'm so happy that you're here today. God bless you right there. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Look at this, a beautiful baby in the arms of a daddy. God bless you. God bless you. Please come. Is there anybody else? Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Is there anybody else? All, all I'm doing is I'm wanting to include you in this prayer, okay? Prayer partners, welcome into a circle. You don't have to be stuck with just one person. Form little prayer huddles if you have to. prayer partners be sensitive to those around you there's people needing touched all over the room bow your heads with me dear Lord Jesus I pray for these that are in this altar 
I pray, God, that they repent of their sins, that they call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they turn away from their ways of living that's not pleasing unto you and in accordance with the Scripture. Father, they may not understand all there is to know, and God, neither do I, and here I am a preacher, and there's so much about you that I don't get. But Father, one thing I do get is the fact that you love people, and that you love me, and you love them. I don't have to understand much more. I know you love us, and I know, God, that you have a plan to save us, and I know how to read. I read the Bible, plain as day, black and white, that whoever would just simply confess and call on the name of Jesus, they shall be saved. Now, Father, the Scriptures are so much more full and bigger than that. But, Father, that's where we start. We start at calling on your name. So right now, Lord Jesus, we call on your name. Save. Set free. Deliver these that are in this altar. Make them right. Fill them with your Spirit. Lead them to the waters of baptism. Put your arms around them and love them real good. Hold them like a daddy would hold a newborn baby. In Jesus' name, I pray a blessing over them. Now, Father, whatever their next step is, I ask you right now to speak. Speak into their heart what their next step might be. Might be being in a small group this week. Might be being baptized even today, right now. Let them make that decision in Jesus' name. Amen. Can everybody clap their hands to Jesus? Okay, before I dismiss you, before I dismiss you, I'm going to create a logistical nightmare for our staff and for all of you, but I have to do it. Is there anybody that, that, that you didn't know it when you got here, but now that, that, you, that you want to be water baptized? Anybody want to be water baptized now? And I know you, this is unplanned, unscheduled, but every now and then I just have to go with my spirit and my gut. Anybody want to be water baptized today? You do? Come on up. Anybody else want to be water baptized today? I'd love to serve you. You do? Both of you? Anybody else you want to be water baptized? Any students here with parental and oversight want to be baptized? Man, I'm telling you guys, I, I just want to serve you. I want to bless you, man. Time is short. We've got to make every day count. Anybody else? We're going to dismiss, so none of you get nervous about your ball game and stuff. It's called DVR. And don't ever check text because they'll ruin it. So here's the deal. Is there anybody else that you're not worried about what's on your schedule? You're worried about eternity. And you know that you know that you know that today's the day that you want to be baptized. I want to serve you. I'm not going to keep doing it more long, much longer. I just have to go with my spirit. All right, who's all being baptized? I need to see you real quick. One, two, three. All right, anybody else before I pray? Dismissal. All right, here's the deal. You're dismissed. You go eat. Go do your deal. If there's anybody that wants to hang out, it's going to take a few minutes. I'm going to do growth track. Pastor Manny, can you baptize them? Pastor Manny's going to baptize them. I'm going to growth track. All of you that have never been growth track, today's your day. Make this day count. Out that door, right? You may be saying, but I'm hungry. <laughs> We've got food. So, <laughs> but what about the ball game? I'll text you tonight and give you play by play. All right? So, if you, need, if you need to be baptized, now's the time. If not, I'll see you at growth track right out that door to the right. I want to lead you. We're going to have a great day. God bless you.